let me ask you a question. Why the hell do people keep getting married? You know what I mean? Isn't anybody looking at the stats? What's it like, three out of four marriages go right down the drain now? People, if you were going skydiving and they told you three out of four parachutes weren't gonna open, you'd be like, yo, forget it, I'm not going. Human beings were not meant to sit in little cubicles staring at computer screens all day, filling out useless forms and listening to eight different bosses drone on about mission statements. Robert Frost said, two roads diverged in the wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you, you can't do it. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. This is Breaking Norms, a podcast dedicated to topics like following your dreams at all costs and the pitfalls of societal norms. And now, discussing everything from online dating to the horror of having a real job. Here are your hosts, Noah Groniger and Clint Schweitzer. Welcome into the Breaking Norms podcast. I'm Noah Groniger, alongside Clint Schweitzer. And today, we are talking about the horrors of having a real job. Where it all began for us, some jobs we considered while growing up, and some of the nightmares we encountered when finally faced with having to apply and accept a position at a job we couldn't fathom doing on a day-in, day-out basis. So Clint, we'll start off with you. Where did it all begin for you, and kind of when did you realize and start to panic thinking about growing up and having to become a businessman or something of some sort to provide for a family? (laughs) I don't know that those concerns ever really overtook me even on into high school, but I just remember being, being a kid. You know, my mom was a teacher, and I lived with her. I mean, it was a very normal, very middle-class uh, upbringing for me. She's, she's a teacher going to school every day. She loved it. And uh, I thought like, hey, man, I could be a teacher if nothing else. But then whenever I was very young, I started watching, uh, you know, a lot of f- football, a lot of um, television shows, a lot of movies and adult movies. I'm talking at three or four, I'm watching like Friday the 13th and Revenge of the Nerds and wrestling, professional wrestling, WWF and WCW. And I remember thinking, wow. There's people that are in these movies, in these shows that are wrestlers or they're talking about wrestling. And I don't know what this means. I don't know really what it means to have a job or be an adult, but I want to be a part of those things. And so really from the time I was a kid, the idea of, you know, our old saying, working in a plastics factory to provide for a family was never going to cut it for me, whether it be show business, sports, um, pop culture in some realm. I knew I wanted to be involved uh, in, in something that uh, had meaning to me. And I remember getting into high school, like, oh my God, college, jobs, this is the time. Like, I'm 18, this sucks. And, um, you know, my first job was uh, at Hollywood Video in high school. And really, who could beat that for a first job? Um, I was okay with it. It was like a mile from my house. Uh, I loved movies. So uh, all you had to do was check out movies and tell them when they're due, make them pay late fees and eat all the candy that's in the back, and it was really no problem. So it started off good for me, um, but for you, not so much. It was sort of a rough transition into this world of work thing that we always talk about, and um, yeah, really your dad, I believe, really wanted you to be getting out there, getting your name out there, really trying (laughs) to embrace this whole thing to no avail, Mr. Groniger. No, uh, but for me, I felt like some of those things I'd see people on Sports Center, yeah, broadcasters calling games, and that just didn't seem attainable to me. Like, 
And so it was just like, turn to your dad. What's he doing? He's uh, in human resource and labor negotiations uh, for Sprint. So that's kind of the path that uh, I may go down here. And I just, I remember take your son to work day. I went with my dad, tiny cubicles, just all this business jargon that they're talking on the phones, everyone wearing suits. Uh, oh, they have donuts today. That's exciting. Like I, what? Like I cannot be in this environment with just these fluorescent lights and just you hear the humming of the lights and you're in this tiny cubicle. I felt trapped, closed in, claustrophobic. And just my dad always trying to get me to do things from that moment. Like, hey, no, you're going to mow the lawn. He took me out to the, to the yard, had the mower, and he had to go back in for like, he wanted to get to maybe some water or something, for, some drinks for us uh, as he was going to like, this is my first time, show me how to mow the lawn. And uh, I took advantage of that opportunity uh, as he <laughs> left to go in for some water. I was like, this can't happen. I want nothing to do with this, just sweating. And he's always coming in. His shoes are just grass stained and jeans. <laughs> and it just, he looks just beaten down by mowing this giant yard that we had. And I want to know part of that. He looked like he was trying to transition me into that role and him out of that role. And I want to know part of that. So I did what any person would do, although I'm the only person I've ever heard do this. I ran away to my friend's house uh, around the block. Uh, and I think back to that and just like my dad coming back out and the horror of his son just being gone. Like I come to get water. Noah, let's Noah. Noah, what? I never thought about that till recently because I always looked at it from my point and just like, oh yeah, I just ran down to my friend Brian's house and uh, him and his family weren't home. So I just sat on their back deck and just looked out at the backyard and the nice landscape until uh, it'd be nighttime and I could go home and it would be safe and I wouldn't have to mow the lawn. But uh, I remember peeking around the corner, like hearing a car come around and it was my dad's car. He was driving around the neighborhood looking for me. <laughs> And so wow. I just think about it from his point of view and how horrified he must have been. But that's not the only time I ran away from work or getting out of something. My dad, there was this old man that lived around the street. He was going to move. And apparently my dad is just this about town neighborhood guy and just goes around, talks to everybody. And he must have offered me up for the job. Oh, my son can help you move. No problem. He'll come over. And the guy was going to give me like 20 bucks every afternoon, like for helping him move. And I went over there the first day and it was just millions of boxes and loading them up, carrying them from the basement all the way up these stairs out to this van. And man, that was, I had never really experienced hard work or labor like that, manual labor. And I hated it. I hated every second of it. it not, no part of it. It was just everything against the fiber of my being. And so the next day, like, I just went over to my friend's house. Like, I'm not helping the old man. This is over. Dad, you can help him. So I'm over at my friend's house. We're down in his basement just playing video games. And I hear someone come down the stairs and I'm thinking like, oh, it's another one of my friends. It's his parents, whatever. I turn around and just, I, Noah, what are you doing down here? And I'm just like, dad, what are you doing here? <laughs> and uh, he dragged me over back to the guy's house. And the old man had already gotten another kid from the neighborhood to help. And I finished up helping and I went, he took me home. And he gave the kid that helped 20 bucks. He gave me nothing. So I worked for nothing that day. And uh, that probably should have been a lesson learned. But no, I just keep running away from things and things that I don't like doing, don't want to do. And I just remember from that time moving forward, growing up, thinking about jobs like, okay, I'm in high school now. What job can I do? What I'm thinking long haul truck driver, like 
no, I'm horrible at directions, driving something that big, I'd never be able to control it, I'd be out of control, just hitting cars, it wouldn't go well, merging with that giant thing, there's no way, and just driving while sports are going on during the weekends, no. Police officer, I thought, because my dad was a police officer before he worked at Sprint, told me that you have to get tased and maced and like directions, trying to chase a perp, just, oh, he's eastbound on 32nd. Like, I have no idea what eastbound is. No clue. Is that, uh, what side of the McDonald's is that? I, uh, <laughs> plus it's hot and dangerous. And the last one I remember thinking of was a garbage man. But of course, that's just too dang hot for me in the summers. Can't do it. And so I'm just in leaving high school and just at a loss, no clue. And uh, I'm left there to just kind of fend for myself, no clue what to do. Well, I think for me, a big part of it is growing up in the uh, Nintendo MTV generation, you know, in that uh, late 80s, early 90s time period, whenever I was uh, kind of, you know, getting to be six, seven, eight years old and having all the comforts. I had this comfort zone in my home. I like to go out and play. I'm from a small town, had a lot of friends, went out and played just like anyone. But man, I'll tell you what, in my house, I had all you would ever need at age eight. I had a Nintendo, a television, a VCR a microwave and access to any movie ever known to man because uh, my best friend's aunt owned a video store. What else was there? My mom used to use horrendous terms like slave labor. And I remember <laughs> just being just beside myself at the thought. So I think we have very similar, uh, sort of, we're sort of cut from the same ilk here as far as knowing from a young age that just this being forced into, we're obviously like you kind of, grow up just doing what your parents say you want to appease them were we, either one of us are like rebellious children we weren't out there cussing or causing trouble nothing like that but we really wanted to be kind of in our own bubble and wanted to exist uh, where, where it made us happy and that was in the comforts of our own homes or with our friends playing video games just being a kid that's all i ever wanted to do and like to me that's one of the more horrifying things about life is realizing that you don't get to do that forever. It's very sobering for both of us, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to hold on to that feeling and that experience for as long as humanly possible. And boy, did I. <laughs> I just, I remember from an early age and like once you get into high school, then you're like able to work and you're at that age. And I remember like wanting things and friends were getting cars and buying speakers and stuff from Sharper Image. And I'm like, oh, cool, like bubble lamp and oh, I love a lamp and I want all this stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, I used my paycheck on that. Yeah, I bought this Camaro with the uh, money I've saved up. And so you could do that too. And I'm oh, ne no, never mind. I I'm out on that. I, I want no part of that. Like I learned that for me, money and having things was never worth working for. Like that's yeah. just me. Like, my parents would like, oh, if you want that, go ahead, go out and get a job. I'm like, oh, we're done here. I'm sorry. Uh, what was I saying? I don't want that, actually. I work good here. That's what I mean. Like, we, yeah. I had all I ever wanted at age eight. So what, what am I doing? Like, uh, and again, I had, a, I had a decent first job. Gosh, I probably only worked 12, 15 hours a week at, at the Hollywood video back when there were video stores. It kind of stands to reason <laughs> that that's what I did. And I remember my mom at the time being a very typical mother, just urging, you know, giving you the, the guidance of going out, finding applications. And I'm just like, who wants to walk into a store or a business, awkwardly ask for an application, go through this process, get interviewed, God forbid, get hired and continue <laughs> the horror all over again. It was like, like I said, I was certainly uh, in no way from any sort of, um, you know, rich family or anything like that. I was very middle class, but I had all I ever wanted and so when you have a nintendo in your room and a tv 
and uh, movies and all the Doritos you could handle, man, going out and making that transition, trying to, it just never, like my brain never quite went through that transition. And really it still hasn't to this day. It's still a, a tough concept to really swallow when you think about people in their careers. When, I mean, the studies say from, you know, Forbes.com says 53% of people are unhappy at their jobs. Um, there's so many things that go into that, obviously, but a lot of people weren't in our position where they got, we got to kind of pick and choose these little meaningless jobs that we could have just to function. Don't be foolish. You work here. Well, I don't want to work here anymore. Don't you understand that? You're a bright boy. You could make something better of yourself. It wouldn't cost stocking hardware something better. Oh, I see. Mr. Harris, all I do here is move cartons from one shelf to the other and listen to you talk about hardware. No one even comes in here anymore. No one wants to. Is that so? Let me tell you something. Sam. The hardware business... Sam, the boy wants to go. A lot of people are forced, um, maybe even at 18 or younger than that, into getting a job, providing for themselves, getting an apartment. That's something that we didn't have to deal with, so it sort of placated us into this mindset, I think, for both of us. Yeah, I probably did. I mean, and uh, I could get away with things. My mom was kind of a pushover. But uh, after I graduated in 2003, kind of into 2004, uh, we find me sleeping all day, eating and watching great things, hanging out with friends. Uh, I like to jokingly say I'm taking the year off to find myself, but I'm just trying to avoid work or college for as long as humanly possible. Um, until one day I'm sleeping, it's probably you know, 11.30 or noon or so, uh, after staying up all night playing probably Madden and watching stuff and eating great things. My dad shows up in my room one afternoon and just I wake up to him just standing there and I'm like, uh, what? I, and he tells me to get up, get dressed, we're going to Citibank and we're going to apply you for a job. Oh my God. <laughs> and I am horrified i'm just like i can't run away he's standing right here like i'm trapped so i get up i get dressed we go to Citibank, but luckily like he just drops me off he's like oh go apply it's like this seminar little orientation you fill it out and you go through some stuff and so i go in there i'm standing with other people there who i'm just sure are just ready for this opportunity or excited about it and I'm just like looking at a way out. Like my dad's left me. I don't have my license yet because of course I don't. I don't want to drive. I don't want to be like have to pay for a car because I don't want a job. So they take us back to this room and everyone's filling out just previous jobs, getting like phone books back when there were phone books and filling out like their phone number of their job, the address. And I'm just, I've never worked before. So I can skip that part and people are filling out oh, I'm proficient at Microsoft Word, Excel. I'm just, I, I know paint on Microsoft. I, uh, nothing. And I'm realizing that like, I'm not going to get this job. I don't want it. So that's great. But like, what am I even doing here? Just sitting here. Well, I have nothing to fill out. I'm not proficient in anything. I've not had a job before. So I just get up and go up to the lady who's sitting there and just hand her my application. She's like, you're done already? And I was just like, I just don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> I walk out the door, call my dad and tell him like, well, we're done here. Uh, just going to fill out the application, went through. He's like, oh, you're done already? Like, yeah, we're yep, just going to wait on a phone call here. And just my thinking is just draw this out as long as I can. Just, oh, no, we're still waiting on that phone call. Hopefully I can get on at Citibank, even though I filled out no application. Nothing's being done. 
that lasted probably a month. And then it was on to my dad saying, we need to, we need to teach you a trade. You need to go out there and learn a trade. We're taking you to Vatterock College and you're going to learn heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. You're going to be in HVAC. They make great money. You're just going to love it. $60,000 a year starting out. It's great. I go there and I see people just wires and sparks flying out of these things as they're working on that, learning how to cross wires and get air conditioners running again and furnaces. And I'm just thinking about being in someone's house where their air conditioning has gone out and it's just a hundred degrees outside and I'm outside trying to fix this stuff. And I'm just, no. So finally I agree to go to college because there's, that's all I can do. Like I can't be out here getting one of these jobs at Vatterod or Citibank. I was horrified by those experiences. And so it pushed me into, well, at least I can go to school and jack around and classes aren't very long each day. So I can draw this out even longer. And that's kind of when we, obviously we met when we were in high school, but we reconnected in college when we were going to college. And at that time, um, my mom was uh, paying for me to go to college. So she's like, you still need to have a job. So my job at Hollywood Video, it ended. And um, it was time to move on to something else. One of, the, one of the things that I pulled that was similar to that was uh, my mom would always be saying, you need to go get applications. This is before you could just apply online. Which, yeah. Gosh, kids have a great cop out. Uh, today for if you want to apply for a job just do it online you don't have to go walk into a place like i said awkwardly ask for a hiring manager they don't want you there you don't want to be there you don't want the job there so it's all this just giant formality but she made me go apply it at a grocery store which i have never been good like in situations like that you know working in the public or i just never wanted to work at a grocery store never really wanted to work anywhere but so i'm at this grocery store and like they hire me on the spot and I am horrified because oh I'm thinking God. again, like you, draw this out, you know, we're just going to, okay, like they're going to maybe call me and maybe they don't think I'm qualified enough and we can just draw this little thing out. And they hired me on the spot. They said, you start tomorrow. And I remember the feelings of dread that just came over my body. Like I was very anxious. Both of us, I'd say, uh, we know each other very well. We, we both have like a certain level of anxiety when it comes yeah. to new situations, working, kind of being out of our comfort zone. So that was a time when I felt like almost a panic attack coming on. Like these people expect me to be at work tomorrow. Like I work here now. I didn't, I don't want to. And so I left with a plan. I said, I'm going to tell my mom kind of similar to what you did that. Oh yeah. Um, got the interview done applications in. They're just going to give me a call when they, uh, when they know some more, they're going through a pool of candidates. And of course my mom's trying to get me to call them. So I'm pretending to call them and not, reach someone and leave a message and I just wondered about that application and that interview if you guys had made a decision yet and of course I the decision had already been made I didn't show up I didn't want to do it and I I think that's when I really knew that I was definitely different I knew a lot of my friends already had like full-time jobs uh, by you know 18 or 19 if they didn't go to college I mean I was in college at the time but a lot of my friends just went ahead and decided to become enslaved to the world of work and once you what you don't realize is once you do that, you never stop. And I was always very unwilling to take that step because mm-hmm. I still felt there was something out there, something that I love to do. I mean, um, love loving sports as much as I do. I love music and uh, pop culture and uh, so many things, movies and television, all that. So I'm like, how, how do you do that? You know, this is really before that you could re- become a YouTube star or you could do your own podcast like this. There was nothing like that for either one of us at that time. So it was almost like pick, a career path blindly and just go for that. And that's an empty feeling. I, I, I don't know. Maybe people have 
have it uh, easier these days and it's easier to find your path because man, I don't think either one of us had a path <laughs> at that point. I'll have a, a, a cheeseburger with no ketchup. And I'll also have a, a, a chicken sandwich uh, with no tomatoes. And a, a Shut up. <laughs> Go away. Did you get all that? Uh, we're like, uh, closed or something. <laughs> no, back then I remember my family, just my mom wanting me to be a businessman. I didn't know, I didn't really know what that entailed. I just knew that I didn't want anything to do with being a businessman. No suits, no cubicles, no sales calls, nothing like that. And so I head off to Maplewoods Community College and, but I thought like I could just sit there and just be in school and hey, that, let's just draw this out. But my, one of my brothers took it upon himself to talk to his friend's dad and he got me on at Kansas City Microfilm and Imaging. And uh, they were gonna try me out there. He's like, well, I already got you the job. He already said, yeah, you start on Monday and uh, you just try it out and see how it goes. And I was horrified, but my parents just put their foot down like, no, you need work experience. You gotta get out there in the world. And I was just horrified, but I show up there and it is a sweatshop feel. It's just this giant cement room, this horrible anxiety that I had just felt sick to my stomach. Like I could just get sick at any moment, surrounded by these old ladies at fold out tables, pulling staples out of medical files all day. And my brother's like, oh, it's not a big deal. You're just pulling these staples that you can listen to music. He's trying to really sugarcoat it and like ease my anxiety, but nothing would, would work there. I mean, I could only do like one and a half boxes a day in between listening to music, looking around in sheer horror, not believing that this was my real life, and also thinking about my friends sleeping in and eating and watching great things while I'm stuck at work. Like, I just couldn't get anything done. Finally, I finished the third day. This lady comes up and she tells me that I need to really ramp it up here. I need to get three boxes done a day. I'm only doing one and a half. These old ladies around me are getting three boxes done. And I just kind of snapped. I couldn't take it. And so... I went into the boss's office, which is my brother's friend's dad, like I said, and told him that I'm out. I got to go. Like, I think I remember using some excuse about having applied for this UPS job that I really wanted uh, before, all, before getting this. And they just called me and they offered it to me and I accepted. So I'm going to have to leave. And I thought he was going to call me out on it, but he didn't. But it was, I always thought about that because it was like he lived in the same neighborhood. He probably saw my car there day in and day out as I was just sleeping and just thinking like, <laughs> he's not working at UPS. He lied to me, but just the sheer relief that washed over me when I walked out of there and I knew that I never had to go back was just something that I cannot explain, describe. Just it is a feeling of just joy that washes over you and relief and the anxiety's gone. I didn't feel sick anymore. And my life was once again, my own. So when you see these stats, 53% of people don't like their jobs. I mean, that's more than half of, of Americans that don't like their jobs. When you look at this and when you look at us in a bubble, we're definitely uh, different. That's why we started this podcast, Breaking Norms. We, both of us uh, pretty much defy, you know, societal norms every single day. Our mere existence defies that. And we're going to get into a lot more topics, of course, um, as we go along here. But how do you feel that because you and I both had certain advantages that didn't force us into this, we 
either one of us were really big fans of money, like the American economic system. Like I don't really want to work my life away at a job that I hate just to have money, just to live. I don't really, yeah, it's just a whole, you know, for people like us, it's a lot to comprehend. How do the, the, but people do it and people, that's probably what makes the world work. It is what makes the world work. It's what makes oh, absolutely. the country great. But how do you, how do you feel like that it, people are actually able to do this? And we're talking about working nights at a plastics factory or, you know, being on, you know, a, a, a shrimp boat or dangerous jobs and construction and out there in the elements and, but doing it every single day and for little appreciation, sometimes little money and just to support a family. Maybe there's a reason neither one of us have a family because we don't have to support them. So you don't need all that much uh, income if you don't have a family to support. Just, there's a lot to unpack here, I know, but how do you, how do you feel people are, are, are able to get up and do this every single day? I think part of it is that they weren't afforded the same advantages that we had. So that's something we talked about, like they're forced into work to survive. We've never known that. We've never had to know that. Our parents have taken care of us, have helped us, have supported us uh, financially. And so they, we don't know the feelings of having to survive. Like I have to get this job to put food on the table to provide for my family. And that's talking about the families thing. That's one reason why I don't have a family or want a family because I'd have to get a really good job that pays well to provide for them. And that's too much stress. And I just don't want to do a job I don't want to do. And I've been a lifelong quitter of things that I don't want to do. And people say, Oh, you're a quitter. That's horrible. Like, no, it's, I, I've always had this issue of just you thinking you only get one life. You only go around this globe once. I just cannot spend this time doing things that I don't like or that don't make me happy. And if that makes me a quitter of Boy Scouts, which is one thing I quit, or some of these jobs, like, then that's fine. Like, I'm happy, and I'm living the life that I want to live. I'm not just going to work just to go to work, just to earn this paycheck and something that I don't like and hating my daily life. Like, work is a huge part of your life. It's a daily grind, and it doesn't have to be a grind. If you find your passion, it's something you love, and it's not like you have a job or you have a career. It's something that you love doing. And you don't think of it as a job. I believe that not enough people value their own time enough, um, whether that be where they work, the people that they're around, their relationships, the things that the decisions they make. I believe that time is all we have. Um, it's ever changing. The um, hourglass is slowly running out. And that is a sobering thought when you start getting into how often you spend at a job. We were talking about just a, a normal 40 hour a week job. I mean, you're spending a third of your week at a job, another third asleep. So what does that leave for the, the real dreams and real passions that you have? Because I believe everybody should find that and find that path. And if you do, and if you could do it successfully, I think you wind up doing something that you love. And as you said, you never have to work a day in your life when you're doing something you love, which is sort of, you know, long story short, what led us to do what we do. Um, you know, we've been working together for eight years now, building a sports and entertainment brand. We kind of got together and decided, you know what? We both really love sports. We love entertainment. We love things like professional wrestling and movies from the eighties and eighties um, hair metal and um, all these things. Why not go all out and pursue these passions and do it in a way that can draw people in and we can have conversations and we can do podcasts and articles and have websites. We've made three documentary films together. We're in post-production on, on our third. Man, it's so gratifying. 
so beyond belief that I have I don't ever consider something that we do together as work at, at, at all. Whereas everything else, you're a body doing it just to do it. You're almost a mindless drone going and just earning a paycheck. And to me, that is no way to live. And you can criticize it all you want. But uh, in the end, I have no regrets in this life other than those couple horrible days where I would uh, try one job and, and quit it. I remember working for the Parks and Rec Department one day. Uh, it was I was tired and bloodied and dirty at the end of it. And uh, again, I quit that at the end of the day and I felt just a relief. I mean, euphoria, walking away from it, knowing the next day I was going to be able to, to sleep in and, you know, watch Saved by the Bell or something. So getting back to my original point of time, we all have it. We should all really cherish it because you spend enough time doing things that don't make you happy. You're trying to appease other people or just trying to merely exist. Merely existing is no way to live. There is so much more to life. You see, what we're actually trying to do here is we're just, we're trying to get a feel for how people spend their day at work. So if you would, would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah, great. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and, uh, and after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell but, uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work 100% there is there's so many more things in this world and you don't have to start a podcast you don't have to be into sports and entertainment just whatever it is for you find that passion don't have any regrets and wake up each day excited about that day and living out your passion making your dreams come true reaching goals that you have set for yourself I mean that's what we do and that's what we want everyone out there to find their own way their own passion and not just like Clint said surviving to survive and going to a job just for the paycheck and just so you can get your next meal and then pay for rent and pay for your kids and set money back for college and opening a 401k. I mean, that's all well and good, but you really need to find your passions in this life and, and not have regrets. Like I had when I was at super target, that's one regret I have. That was six months of my life. I'll never get back. I was a sales floor member pulling stuff forward on shelves. And uh, that part wasn't bad, but it was the backup cashier that just made my anxiety peak and it was horrible because it wasn't just a target. It would be one thing if it was just your normal target. It was a super target. That means you have home decor, you've got toys, you've got clothes, uh, you've got grocery. And when that overflowing cart pulled up to that just conveyor belt and they started throwing things on there, I lost it. Like I'm just sweating, just almost thinking about running away, never to be seen or heard from again, leaving my coworkers in the absolute lurch because I can't handle it. I, don't, I didn't know how to bag things. I'm just like, oh, you're, I got a shirt and now a watermelon and a DVD and a toy bike. And <laughs> there was just way too much going on that I couldn't handle it. I couldn't process it in my brain. Weird fruits and vegetables that I didn't know. So I had to like look them up and I couldn't find them by their number. And I didn't even, I'd ask the person what this fruit was. And I just putting like the bread down and then putting the milk on top of it and stuff and just hard things on top of soft things. It was just way too much for my brain to handle. 
I'd only been trained like 40 minutes on one night. And so I get done with that person and this little girl's like, oh, thanks for helping us. And her mom looks down at her and says, don't thank him. He went so slow. And I was just kind of slowly reached over, turned off my light. Like, yep, we're, I think we're done here. And uh, then like the supervisor of the cashiers came up to me and said, you're yellow. Uh, that was, your speed is yellow on the cashier. We need to get you up to green. And so we're going to need you to come back up. And I'm just thinking in my head, I said like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. I don't know. I got to get back. But, and they'd call up a uh, backup cashier on green side. And I would say like, no, I'm helping a customer. And then I'd race to find a customer to help. Or I'd say, uh, I'm in the back room. And then I'd run to the back room. So I would not be available for backup cashier. But one day she finally cornered me and said like, no, you, we got to get you up here. And I just said like, okay, I'll see what I can do. And I avoided it again. And then I never went back. I was just gone from that moment, never to be seen or heard from again. And I tried to quit. They wouldn't let me, but that was the end of my super target days. Them pressuring me to go back up to be a cashier when there was overflowing carts of a million different items. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Well, absolutely agree and you're and no one should now wonder why i didn't show up to work at the grocery store because that would have been me <laughs> it would have been me to a, a t right there but um yeah kind of putting a, a ribbon on this uh, episode we've obviously thrown a lot out and kind of given you our history of, of working and uh, the reasons why we didn't want to do it and i know a lot of you are going to disagree with us and, that, and that's fine we want to hear the feedback uh, you can go to our facebook page breaking norms and we also have a facebook group uh, called Breaking Norms as well. Just search it on Facebook and you can come and, and tell us what you like, what you didn't like. Um, obviously, hope you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we're going to be throwing a poll question up on our Facebook page uh, to see what topic you want us to discuss next because as this all unfolds, we have a lot of norms that we're going to be breaking because we've got to talk about things like online dating, um, marriage and relationships, paying taxes, it's the list goes on and on. And by the end of this, hopefully you'll come out of it uh, with a smile on your face. And at least um, with a general understanding that we want the world to be a better place for people. We want people's lives to be improved. That doesn't mean necessarily doing what we do, starting your own sports network and um, doing all the crazy stuff that we do, making three documentary films and basically just out there as aimless wanderers around the world. Although it's been completely gratifying, I'll tell you that much. Um, but we both come to the point in our lives where um, I think that, you know, I, you know, I'm 36, you're 35 and the last eight years or so have been the best years of my life. And that's, it, it's no accident that it happened because of the, the steps and the thing that, that we've taken to better ourselves and to get to the point of, you know, you start off doing your own podcast and, you know, in, in your mom's basement interviewing former players and you wind up at SEC media days interviewing Nick Saban making a documentary film where you're going to all 14 SEC football stadiums and man when you think about that journey it has been a great one and I don't know that we would have gotten to that journey we would have really reached the summit without some of the the stuff that led to it the uh being you know being kind of run through the the, the gambit as as far as uh early jobs go but we've kind of both I think gotten to the point in life where happiness is uh has been attained and i that's uh i think that's a good thing that's rare and you know fist bump for that yeah definitely i mean we've run the gambit like you said uh, i remember i had a job at, at tyco 
Uh, my brother got me that job. And uh, I, the second day of orientation, I just had to get out of there. I was having lunch with this guy and I came back in and we were about to go back upstairs and I just had to look at him and be like, I, I can't do it. I watched someone do this job for an hour before we got to lunch. And if I do this every day, I'm not going to be around here long. Like, I just can't do this. He looked at me confused, puzzled, but I had to go into the HR lady's office and quit. And my mom called me and she's asking, like, why aren't you at your job? I was just going to leave a voicemail. And I was just like, well, funny story, but uh, walked out, quit, just can't do it. And she's just like, no, like, Noah, like, what are we going to do with you? You you can't work. And I was like, I know I've been trying to tell you this forever. I cannot work. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. But like you said, over this last eight years, it, we found our niche. We found our place in this world. And no more happier times than this last eight years. And that's what we want for everybody out there listening. Find your passion, attack it, live it, and you can be happy just like we are every single day when you wake up. <laughs>